But you know, for... so, so let let's let's circle let's circle back to the main body of this. You said we're beginning to get a pretty good idea as to how the censorship machine works, and uh, I know you have done some new reporting on that. You've examined new files and put things together in new ways. Could you summarize what you're finding? Yeah, so we're we're getting like basically a general picture of kind of how information flows it's sort of roughly in a circle right so uh twitter on the back end it sells what it calls firehose information to these big um, private contractors like zero fox and data miner and so they're basically selling everything except your most private information like all the stuff that's public um and those your location uh i i i don't think they're doing that uh except in i think in in what they would call very narrow cases involving criminal activity for specifically for the government right like that's not a commercial actor isn't isn't going to get that probably um they may get it they they make it that generally in terms of like ISP addresses, but not like your current location, like where you are with your phone. Um, but if I put up a picture on if I put up a picture on Twitter, will they get that? Yeah, they might get they might get that. That might be one of the things that they would analyze. I mean, I, these data sets are enormous, right? And and they're sold in in all directions to everything from reputation management firms to hedge funds to to the government uh, and mm-hmm. uh, so we know information kind of flows in big chunks um, out the back end and ends up in places like uh, the DHS the Department of Justice uh, the Department of Health and Human Services Department of Commerce the Pentagon which by the way can include the NSA but it ends. But it ends up. But it ends up there after having spent some time in these sort of black box intermediary data mining operations. Right. Yeah. Like if you look, you'll see public contracts for companies like Data Miner. Data Miner in twenty twenty got a two hundred and fifty nine million dollar contract um, just for the Air Force. Right. So these are huge contracts uh, for supplying. Supplying data, doing data analysis, that kind of stuff, um, and there's there's tons and tons of them, um, and we we've seen some chatter about this. Like there's one email uh, that I'm hoping to publish today uh, that says something along the lines of, "Well, we wouldn't give that to the FBI, but we would we would do it for the DoD, right?" Um, and so we know we know that there that there's a channel where information is kind of going out but but the more interesting thing is right what we're finding out now is that that you know everybody knows the government does stuff like um analyzes data to try to figure out economic forecasts or track terror suspects or you know even updating you know maps for the military that kind of thing uh but what they what they're also definitely doing is mass analyzing and flagging for moderation individual social media accounts. Uh, so they're not just making recommendations at a high level about 
you know, maybe you should look at this or that for for Twitter. They're sending them gigantic lists uh, of of um, of posts, hashtags, videos, and essentially saying we we'd like you to take action on this possible violative content. And so they, I don't know. they meaning the government a- they meaning the government agencies are sending back to Twitter huge um, batches of recommendations that are in some cases granular enough to include individual tweets, very small accounts, and you know so on. Yeah, that's exactly what's good. It's the FBI, and they have about ten different routes that we've identified so far. Uh, of sending this stuff to Twitter. Uh, sometimes it's just like a personal letter to somebody they know at the FBI. Sometimes they, they, they have weekly meetings with legal counsel, with people from the Trust and Safety Department. Um, they have a thing called Teleporter, which is like a platform where Twitter can go to upload reports from the FBI. Uh, and what you see and what we've got on these lists um, our long lists of requests, you know, you know, we'd like you to take a look at uh, some accounts that may warrant additional action is, is like language they would use. And then they'll send you a list of like 25 accounts. <laughs> One of them was was Billy Baldwin, oddly enough, um, the actor. Uh but a lot of them were really small, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I reached one of the, these people and uh, his reaction was was really funny. You know, he he said, my first thought was, you know, this is this has got to be a prima facie First Amendment violation. My second thought was, holy cow, me, an account with the reach of an amoeba? What else are they looking at, you know? Um, <laughs> and uh, there's just lots... What did, what did the guy said or what... I, I I mean it, it was it was something silly about the election. Like a lot of them were were related to, hey Democrats, if you you know everybody's got to get motivated, go out there and vote on Wednesday and really really show them. You know, <laughs> and, you know it's it's the, it's the old joke uh, of get out there on Wednesday and vote um, when of course the vote's on Tuesday, right? That's election mis- misinformation, but. Right. In so many cases, these are like satirical accounts, and the joke is sometimes in the account. Out of Boston, Texas, you're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Good afternoon. I have a positively working mic here in Austin, the free speech capital of the United States. Where people can still talk, and you know that's what happens here. Uh, it's they are expressly prohibited by Texas law from interfering with with social media here, anything that's here. So uh, as we are casting from from Austin, Texas, I just wanted to, to let everybody know that it's going to be an interesting show because we're gonna, we're going to discuss Dominion. And the Dominion suit and things that are proximal to the 2020 election. Um, oh, it looks like we lost a listener. <laughs> listener, let me let me open it up with uh, Gregor. Gregor, are you with us? I am with you. 
Oh, all of a sudden you're underwater. Oh, th- there you are. There you are. Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, I guess I just unmuting my mic. It takes a second for the IP to get it all updated. Yes, I'm here from the lovely uh, Winter Haven of Oregon, Portland area, where free speech is something that where it comes to die. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. So, you know, I've also heard that you know that it is still a diversity problem in in, in good old Portland uh, Hillsboro area. I'm sorry about that. Well, <laughs> I define diverse. I see Hillsboro's not that bad. It's a little better than most, but um, you know, Portland is. If you say the wrong thing, you get beat up by an Antifa group who you know has carte blanche to go do what they want. So, well, uh... it's just you know. Speak at your own risk. You're welcome to speak as long as you don't mind going to the hospital. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's just dive into it. Let, let's just get into the mosh pit right now. Dominion. This is your beat. This is, Dominion. Come out and shine. Bill Maher, Bill Maher had a wonderful monologue this week um, talking about it. He has a real thing with Fox News. <laughs> uh, Bill Maher says, quote, the big news is Fox News this week. I don't know if you're been following it there they're going to be on trial with dominion voting systems dominions are the people who counted the votes with their um who counted the votes with their votes boy he really just wonders when he does his monologue and of course fox news is trying to sell the quote bullshit that trump really won the election so they said well fox dominion was in on it so dominion that, that's fox their news. position we're going to that's that's their position now um having said that and among among several other things, um, you know, I find it fascinating because from what I read from the Dominion paperwork that they filed. Oh, you read the paperwork. Um, there is actually, yeah, no, you think I came here without? Oh uh, no, no, no! Yeah, just I, I didn't I, read it because I don't care. I, <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty was only, three years I ago. Care. That, that, I mean, that's why I handed this off to yeah. you, Gregor, not because because I want to do a good job, but I only do a good job about things I care about. Well, and three years ago, true, but freedom of speech is what this was going to okay. decide. All right, and I'm going to let you frame free, it. You know, freedom, and freedom, freedom of journalism is what it was going to decide. So now what we have is we've decided nothing. But the paperwork Dominion filed was they are blaming, um, literally, this is their claim that Fox News was guilty because it had guests on, not because their um, hosts said anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they have two two causes. The host didn't say anything, you know, terribly defamatory, but they also didn't discredit their guests. So the libel so privately, suit. apparently, some of them, right? And but apparently, privately, some of their hosts did, you know, behind the scenes. Tucker Carlson, among them, said, you know, and he said on the air to uh, Little Sydney Miss Sidney Powell, uh, was the the tor- torch Powell behind said, Melty you- Giuliani. Right, and if and if you and you know he he said on the air if you have the goods let's see them, so you know he did say that if you don't have the goods shut up and get off my show, it lit, lit, almost literally, I mean and you know Laura uh, Laura Ingram did the same thing. Where's the proof? Show me the proof. This is great information if you have the proof, and that was always the big question that I read about. Now Dominion says that's not good enough, and they gave them lots of airtime, which is of course what nobody else did. Um, allowed so allowed yes no one was allowed. Where, where there you go there's an interesting question nobody else was allowed so you would never heard about it and when we get into the hunter biden thing at the end of the segment today 
again, we get into what's not allowed, but can I, can I break in so here? Anyway, can I, there can I is that. Okay. Yes, you can. So typically, you know, we're, we're going to do kind of some of the contrapositives again. I don't care. Not invested because election three years ago and clearly, clearly, mm-hmm. you know, we have a president that's there and, you know, we're, we have some presidential, you know, officing, you know, but that's still happening anyways. Um, so the, Democratic position is that if you were investigated, you're guilty. If you have a, a case against you, guilty already, uh, you must prove your innocence, otherwise you are guilty. So this is pretty consistent uh, relay in the media, even though it's not what the law is. I just wanted to clarify that just because the, the political treatment is this way doesn't mean that this is the legal treatment. So it's very important to dis- distinguish between, you know, the the political framing of what the Democrats are doing or saying about uh, someone who is accused versus what is actually being proven in, in a legitimate court of law and a contest of law. Go ahead. Right. Go ahead, Greer. And, and, and that's, you know, that's my big thing. I really wish that Fox had taken this to the carpet because mm. I suspect they would have won. Um, based on well, they would have had to appeal it because it would have lost, and and uh, it probably would have had to go to the Supreme Court. But you know, they still, in the long run, would have won instead of paying three quarters of a billion dollars. But I guess their pockets are deep enough that they don't care. Just so they can stay yeah. in the air, they're paying the money so they don't have yeah, to deal co- with it, which is a business decision. I yeah, it's a decision I understand. I just don't have to like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a few other people. At, I think the other issue is that if the civil let's let's look at the dark side of this, if the civil case was was won in a position of court, that would have that would have been a, a whack on free speech. And I didn't. I I think that if the lawyers were saying, okay, um, you know, we're not going, we're we're just not going to give any daylight, or 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 kind of, we're not going to let anything you know, go through the crack, we'll pay the $780 million uh, and we'll take it on the nose um, to to uh, continue through sweeps and stay on TV. <laughs> well, it's essentially stay on what TV. doing, yes. That's the goal. Which is funny because I don't watch TV anymore, yeah. so I haven't in years, actually. Um, and... You know, having with that, uh, you know, if had they won again, there's the implications that I don't think got to be thought about because if they're saying that you're now responsible for your guests, yeah, for other people's right? speech, for other people's speech, Joy Behar and and the View would have been responsible for um, Little Miss Communist um, uh, threat monger, yeah, Jane, Jane Fonda. Fonda, yeah. Yeah, you know, because on the tenth, she thought that she she put out there on the air that everybody who disagrees with abortion should be killed. Literally, she said killed. Didn't say hurt. Didn't say. Uh, well, know, I guess there just aren't enough murder. dead people for communists. There never are. <laughs> no, there never are. <laughs> well, you have to in in order for everybody to be equal, everybody has to be dead. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, they just want to get them there faster so they have less dissent. Okay, let's let's move it on. We have a new segment for the audience. Uh, for those of you who have, who have joined us today, let's look at who we've got here in the room. We've got John, uh, we've got Sin, uh, and we have Hussein. So let's look at, down here in the comments really quick. Um, and boy, man, we have got some comments here. 
Um, so K dot, which is Hussein, he's uh, he's commenting that they were sued for libel and defamation, uh, excluded two uh, two I guess two hosts from Fox, and that's why they weren't in the lawsuit. Laura was one of the old, older fellow at Fox, had no absolutely no chance of winning. We we were not involved in the, the lawsuit, of course, and neither were you, Hussein, unless you were a lawyer in that case, which I would want you to, you know, fully disclose, which I, I don't think you were. Um, so Synergy, that's Sin, she says, I think that there were a lot of people that saw Donald Trump as a mafia boss, didn't want him elected, and that's, you know, that's a legit opinion. Uh, and certain information is always repressed, informed voting is really questionable because people are only informed of so much. And I believe that because this is, right now we're in an, a full-blown, absolutely full-blown information war between uh you know hidden warring parties inside of our government and the u.s public so um they are not in agreement on who has a freedom of speech they really aren't um and half of that was being uh you know improperly leveraged using the emergency powers so now that those emergency powers are gone so are a lot of people who were on hidden on those payrolls. What I didn't say and I needed to say is that a lot of people are just kind of being scattered off of payrolls in media. And what I've discovered, you know, from watching Mike Benz's feed, and this is just an incidental, Gregor, I didn't I didn't mean to, to do this, not cover this with you, but I, I just it's coming to mind. Uh, Mike Benz had mentioned this week that in media you are just bribed. Uh, they will just bribe the government will simply just pay in, in foreign nations. They will just pay the media to say what they want. It's like uh, advertorial. And I think the government does that. He says that the government does that here in America as well. So it's possible that the sudden, you know, BuzzFeed, the staff at BuzzFeed suddenly losing their jobs, etc., that a lot of those people were on, on the government's payroll as advertorial so it, it's possible I can't confirm that but there has just been a sudden crash scaffolding of, of Brooklyn New York media just going away immediately and, and it went away as as immediately as the pay and contracting scale for emergency management and the, and the pandemic I don't know how else to explain it <laughs> um, so uh, let's move on. We, uh, like I said, we have a new segment. It's, we're, we're calling it "Keep It Weird" because we have we have Austin, which is "Keep It Weird," and Portland, which is "Keep It Weird." So, uh, you know, without further ado, Gregor, do you have any comments or, or explainer for the statement or for the uh, segment? Howdy, Austin, Portland. Listen, I got some good news and I've got some bad news. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I I think that you know when we look at news as coming out of Portland and Austin, we have all kinds of things that are just absolutely fascinating. Um, Portland, we had a bit where a woman was bit by a dog, and I have some audio. Fifty-four seconds. Pastry chef who was mauled by a dog in southeast Portland. Cheryl Walkerhauser owns Pick's Patisserie. She was out on a run Monday near 45th and Hawthorne when she says a dog came out of nowhere and attacked her. She says the dog bit her legs and arms, leaving her with about 40 puncture wounds all over her body. 
I started looking around and I just started saying, like, I'm on the ground. I'm like, I started screaming for help. Like, I was having a nightmare. Like, help me. Somebody help me. Help me. You know, in a nightmare, you're like, you're screaming, but like, nobody can hear you. I felt like that. She says she tried to flag down cars and or anybody that could help her. Finally, she caught the eye of a driver who turned around and honked her horn to try and scare the dog off. At the same time, she says a man with a leash walked up, said it wasn't his dog, and then led the dog away. Another man followed the man and dog and led police to them. Cheryl says the dog was taken away by animal control. Um, later, we learned that the dog walker died of fentanyl poisoning. To protect the most... Um, so, though in Portland, that's the simplest way. There's two ways to get out of crime is actually just, just show up at, well, well just die. <laughs> and, you know, we, we here in Portland, you have a right to die now. This is a right to die state. Oh. Um, Go ahead. You know, they're, they're, giving, they're giving away, you know, your, your doctor can now help you arrange death. Um, just, you know, we're moving along the Canada lines, the MAID program in Canada. If you're depressed, you can be killed. You know, oh, not killed, excuse me. We can take your life for you. Um, and here's the, here's the medication to do it. Or you can just go down to the corner, buy some fentanyl and take a dose and die. So there's your choices. Just a public service announcement. If you were ever attacked by a pit bull who has clamped to your arm, the best thing to do is use your other hand and stick your thumb up his rectum. Just so you know. That, that is, that works. is really, that, that actually, oh, you mean the, the pit bull? Yeah. You stick your thumb up the pit bull's <laughs> rectum and the pit bull will let go. That's 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 ingenious. I never would have thought of that solution to that problem. Well, somebody somebody locally in the, was attacked by a pit bull and found out the hard way that this works. And it was so, this is not that's some story that I just made up. This is not oh. comedy relief. You're laughing. This is serious business. Sorry. Well, I mean, I just think that you know, it's just uh, the irony is so weird. You know, this 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 pit bull. Which is kind of a community threat, uh, gets out. It hit. It hits a, a a prominent, you know, local business whose whose only guilt is is making pastry. He walks five steps uh, with too much too much uh, fentanyl in his system and just dies. It came out of. Yep. Just his own death sentence, which is really. Uh, it's just Portland. It's just Portland. It is. That's why I don't live in Portland. But <laughs> You uh, to go it, back? Yeah, I, I, in other news, the misfortune of Texas, which is supposed to be kind of like the the sane haven uh, to to run to to get the hell away from the insanity of uh, of the Pacific Northwest, is um, is that Texas? You know, you can at least defend yourself. So the, the contest between legally, you know, legal self defense and, and and gun ownership is under under quite a bit of contest and, and legal attack right now. So um, if you have that, uh, that Glenn Beck segment. That um, the state of Texas is actually turning over salary. Um, uh, I don't know. They're not estimates, but the, the, the salary numbers of people who have had a background check run on them for certain guns. Uh, the ATF submits all of those background checks and says to the state of Texas, how much do these people make? 
then they go back and look at it and say, that person shouldn't be able to afford that gun, must be a straw purchase. And then it's turned over to the FBI for monitoring of those people. How many laws are being broken there? Too many to count. Yeah. But I think it's sort of this gross relationship that's now happened where there's a collusion between the government and private industry, banking information. We saw that even with January 6th out of the Boston field office where banks looked at individuals spending and saw if they'd taken a trip to Washington, D.C. and turned that over to the FBI without even being prompted to do so. And, you know, there's one thing about being a good citizen. There's another thing about being a a good citizen to protect and defend the Constitution. I talked to a guy about Waco today on radio, and he was um, he was the news director and vice president of KRLD here in in Texas. And David Koresh had been on, um, you know, sending messages. And the FBI came in and said, or actually he said it was the ATF, came in and said, we need those tapes. And he said, great, they're right here. All I need is a warrant. And they were like, come on, man. And he's like, no, that's our station policy. I can't give you anything without a warrant. Those days seem to be long gone. Now, if you ask for a warrant, I think they'd view it as hostile. Yes, I think so. I think when... The conversations that I had with individuals who were at a higher level of management, when I mentioned the concept of due process, it just washed over them like it was a foreign concept. And that's interesting because, does, does you Does that know, concur? Like, because those counties are going blue and, and their, their framing and their relationship to due process is not necessarily legal. So, you know, this is how we have to to change the communication about our law because people in politics are framing the law as it is not. They are framing the law that if you are accused, you are guilty until you are proven innocent and warrants don't matter. Okay, and and it's political enforcement rather than legitimate due process. So we're becoming... Go ahead. Our beloved, our beloved Nancy Pelosi said that, that now Trump gets to prove his innocence instead of the state prove his guilt. And, you know, I'm not a fan of the uh, former president, but it's, you know, you are innocent until proven guilty. That is a fundamental uh, premise of our republic. Well, it's not, though. I mean, I, I, we have... You are innocent until proven guilty, and that is the law. So there's a disparate communication going out in in perpetuity, and it's political framing that you are – that there is no due process, that the the police can be politicized in such a way that your due process is just waved away. It's just overlooked. And I think the government needs to suffer with a check here. You know, there, there's a weaponization committee that's that's doing a lot of reno right now. They've got a really tough job. Um, <clears throat> and we're going to get to some of the stuff that I was running running an, a Matt Taibbi clip at the, at the head of the episode, uh, his interview with, with Walter Kern. And so they're just they're just doing the industry of collection. And data is a huge boon. 
And one of the top customers, which is something that I've aired consecutively on this program, is that one of the top customers of the tech industry is the federal government. Okay, they've been able to buy this data without, you know, and so they're kind of getting spoiled into a place where all they have to do is pay for the information. Do you see what's going on here? They bribe the media companies for the information to to do their information work and, and to kind of schlep their, their PR. Okay, and then they pay the tech companies to schlep their PR and also fork over the information. So, you know, you've got a whole segment of public media and public information that is being seduced by cash, like CIA style. It's it's the suitcases of money approach, Gregor. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's funny that they're asking Texas for the income information because, you know, it's illegal for them to talk to the IRS. So it's probably, there's probably some loophole where if we ask Texas and they provide, then that's fine. That's perfectly legal. Um, and that's the kind of thing we're seeing all over the place. And that comes back to whether or not your information is protected by the Fourth Amendment or not. And most of us give up those rights when we log on to our cell phones because we're using, you know, we're, we're agreeing to have our data sent to the public information world. Um, and, well, uh, I mean, I, and I don't think it's necessarily. This is why we have uh, a good contest or a good chance with a, a with a public privacy law, okay? But mm-hmm. the type of privacy law that the Congress or that the that the Nancy Pelosi's and the, and the California tech sector wants, they don't like the ADPPA because it gives you a civil right of private right of action to sue the companies for say selling your information to the government against your will, meaning like. Right now, we have the Privacy Act of 1974. So if you inform this, say, say Colin was getting, you know, manhandled by, by Lawfare Legal at, you know, Perkins Coie. And they would say, turn, it, turn over all the information you have on, on these users. Okay? You could legally contest that if they're working as an agent of the government you know, who was merely curious about you, if you were to say to them, this, this picture that I have at the, at the center, that, that's, a, that's a legal invocation. You can use that to send away, you know, paid spooks. And they have to comply. Legally, they have to comply with that. So um, what's, what's bothering... A, about all of this is that people are getting kind of like boiled frog trained to like not push back and not say anything when these when these uh, transgressions occur and they need to they need to speak up they need to say something um, we'll, we'll get to more of that I, I just wanted to I'm always gonna say that by the way I'm always gonna say you need to you need to because to, if you don't they're gonna just take more and that's what they've been doing because people aren't speaking. If you start speaking, they get less bold and less bold. You take something back for yourself that belongs to you away from people who should not have it because they were thieving it away from you in the first place. <clears throat> Sorry. So uh, one such situation, um, uh, let's see here. Are we I done think... with that segment? 
Yeah, I think we were done with the segment. I just wanted to mention that that uh, weird, Washington. Keep it weird. I'm sorry. I had to make sure that got on the air. <laughs> That's our closer for the keep it weird segment. <sighs> yeah, I- I'm really gonna enjoy that segment going forward. It's gonna be real fun. Yeah, we have um, some things, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Okay, so we're we're just gonna move on to our next uh, item area. But before before I uh, forget, there was a ban on assault weapons passed in Washington and Illinois. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, that was this week. So, <sighs> so on to the well, digital ID. Oh, did you want to comment on that quickly? Oh, only because that's my one of my two favorite subjects: first First Amendment and Second Amendment. Without those two, we're absolutely screwed. Um, and for both of them, the criteria was they're regulating, quote, dangerous weapons. Um, and, of course, then there's the whole idea of the mishmash of uh, verbiage. They, uh, they're assault weapons bans, which, according to the U.S. government, an assault weapon is a fully automatic military-style rifle, and the weapons they're trying to ban are semi-automatic standard sporting rifles. Um, they've always been advertised that way. They're not advertised as anything else, never have been. And... Uh, so anyway, world, you're going to get overturned. There's no question about it. My Serpa versus Bruin rules the world now. Get over it. Mm. Mm. I think it's going to kind of suffer suffer the balances, checks and balances of the legal system, which is real. They want to deny law is real sometimes. Well, but the, That's the, what the, criminals the, do. They just go, that's not real. I'll just steal. That's not real. I'll just kill. I'll steal. I'll kill. La 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 la. I'm a psychopath. Anyways. <laughs> Were you a cheerleader in high school? No, but I, I listened to so much of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, it, but it is now established, you know, as they say, it sets precedent. We lived under the um, Jane Doe, uh, Roe versus Wade, uh, you know, precedent for 50 some odd years. Um, and we now have precedent that indicates that you have to use the text and history of the of the times the 1791 times to establish whether or not you can regulate these things and common use is established as anything that is in normal use and these weapons that they're trying to ban are in normal use there's millions of guns of each kind in both states they're not going to be able to ban them uh, the illinois grandfathered them in i'm pretty sure washington did as well so yeah we're, you can't buy anymore but you can still own the ones you have which okay. means that people well which means people are going to magically get more that they always had um you know or the other side of the coin is oh, i lost all my rifles in a boating accident that's what we did in california <laughs> well i mean this is just going to be an ongoing kind of the the teeter-totter on the on the scales uh, I, I don't think this is over by any means. Um, it's going to be a continuous fight, as it has been for a long time now. So um, I'd like to move to digital ID. So we have a, unfortunately, Biden has has escalated. Well, I wouldn't say escalated. He's just blobbing it out. You know, we, we've we've had the central bank digital currencies agenda. The White House has cannot oh, there be you go. go. Go ahead, Greg. One of the primary concerns okay. is the erosion of privacy as these systems can enable unprecedented surveillance capabilities, giving governments and corporations access to a treasure trove of personal information. The centralization of data also increases the risk of large-scale data breaches, putting millions of individuals at risk of identity theft and financial fraud. Furthermore, 
the widespread adoption of digital IDs may lead to the marginalization of those who lack access to or don't want access to the technology, widening the digital divide and exacerbating existing social inequalities in the move towards a checkpoint society. The Biden administration, however, is short on detail regarding this issue and privacy implications, while mentioning the term biometrics only once in the strategy report. Strategic Objective 4.5 is a four-paragraph section in the 35-page document that speaks about supporting development of a digital identity ecosystem. The administration calls for improved digital identity infrastructure that would produce a, quote, more innovative, equitable, safe, and efficient digital economy. Like all other justifications for the push to adopt digital IDs, this one mentions conveniences and access to government services and benefits, trusted communication, as well as social networks and improved payment systems. To get there, the document calls for the digital ecosystem in question to undergo fundamental changes and wants to bring in the private sector, both through close cooperation and public-private undertakings. The latter, it says, involves real-time, actionable, and multi-directional data sharing. The document notes that various states are already coming up with digital driver's license pilots. And coming up with new standards is something the White House is interested in. Florida has been working on digital ID plans for many years, and as early as 2021, had announced plans to collaborate with Apple to bring the digital driver's license to the iPhone's wallet app. In Pennsylvania, the focus is now on proposals to tie people's identities, their driver's license, or state ID, and combine it into an app. Dan Miller, a Democrat member of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, announced in a memo that a bill to this effect that previously failed would be reintroduced in the near future. In February, Utah Department of Public Safety's Driver License Division launched a new program that allows people with a Utah driver's license to download an official signed copy on their mobile device. While announcing the 2023-2024 budget proposal, California Governor Gavin Newsom said that the state will launch a digital ID in a matter of months and that the state will, quote, do it like no other state has done it. California always does it like no other state, so. I wish they had his auto go better. It's not just states that are working to introduce digital ID. The TSA is also starting to push it for domestic travel. The chief of the TSA, David Pekoski, said that the agency is considering biometric technology to reduce traveler processing times and reduce the number of screening officers. He made the comments at the South by Southwest Conference in March. Currently, citizens can pass TSA checkpoints with digital IDs at 19 airports. Participating states include Utah, Arizona, Maryland, and Colorado. Pekoski also said that the TSA will be partnering with Big Tech to help facilitate the rollout. At a congressional budget hearing this month, Pekoski told lawmakers, The other thing we are working on with respect to identity verification is that right now we've worked with Apple, Google, and Samsung. So state DMVs have the ability, if they choose to, to allow one of their license holders to download their driver's license into the wallet of their smartphones. 
Kokoski said passengers can also choose to opt out of certain screening processes if they are uncomfortable. For now, that is. Eventually, biometrics won't be optional, he added. Privacy, a fundamental right, is one of the primary casualties of the digital ID revolution. With vast quantities of personal information consolidated into centralized databases, governments and corporations can gain unprecedented access to the intimate details of citizens' lives. This treasure trove of data could enable extensive surveillance capabilities, as it has in China. Another dystopian danger lies in the potential misuse of digital ID systems by governments and corporations to exert control over populations. Imagine a world where your digital ID is linked to a social credit system, determining your access to jobs, housing, and essential services based on your perceived trustworthiness. Such a system would have chilling consequences for personal freedom and autonomy, fostering conformity and stifling dissent. Thank you for watching. If you support free speech, freedom from surveillance, and digital civil liberties, join Reclaim the Net. Okay, that last so that they was... had cameras of China of of uh, people in China, the officers in China with Google glasses on, walking around looking at people and getting verification Ugh. of their a digital ID. That's I thought that was an important thing to describe. Okay, so there's a link to that in the link section. If you go to the top, there should be a link section. Uh, there is. Uh, okay, I can't see it where I'm at, but um, typically there is a link section here uh, on the program. You just push the box that says the unsanctioned citizen to the left and there will be a series of links uh one is to the reclaim the net really great source of information uh i did not go to south by southwest because south by southwest is expensive so um so and inflation be high inflation be high Gregor. <laughs> we need to get you a gofundme or something we need to get me some kind of uh, substrate sponsorship or some kind of, you know, new sugar daddy, you know, executive producer on this program. So that we I can do bet better. you I could get it from NIP or something. I don't know. I mean, if you want to work on that, you were you were greenlit, right? If you have my blessing, go get the money. <laughs> do you I, really I love want it. NIP's money. I, I don't know. I don't know who NIP is. So uh, um, I'd ha we're we're gonna have to talk about it later. We'll we'll we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it later. Um, but you know, at least get some money so they can start attacking us for our money at that point. So, uh, so news sponsorship at NewsGuard is one of those uh, one of those those places. I think they've been actually savaging uh, Stephen L. Miller, who's on this network. Mm -hmm. He's been you know he had like he'd come on a show and he'd have three hundred people that he brought over from Patreon. He is just getting absolutely savaged, and I don't know why he has become such a sudden target. But you know, his his numbers have gone. Um, I, I'd say that they're like maybe a quarter of what they used to be, and um, so I told him he needs to to get some legal. I mean, I I did something, but I I urged him strongly to get legal representation involved um, through news partnership. Um, to to get himself off of some blacklists and NewsGuard and the like. So if he's a target, if he's a NewsGuard uh, target, they're going to target his platforms. They're going to target his um, his advertisers. They're going to say this this is a bad man doing misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. You know, they're going to say he's MDM. 
and uh, put a black stripe upon him and uh, push him out with that whatever the the government scarlet letter that says that he's a bad newsie that won't do what he's told and um, <laughs> and uh, you know and then try to take his money which is basically that's been their strategy and um, so punish the newsie uh, punish the newsie we'll get to more punish the newsie in a, in a minute uh, but I just wanted to let you know that Biden is working the blob a- angle he is He's slow rolling this this digital ID, and it's it's global. He's trying to make the, he's on par with the WEF uh, bill of goods, and he's just blobbing it out. He did CBDC, which is the central bank digital currencies. In order to get that, you have to have digital ID. So I'm going to run um, I'm going to run this old clip that I've run from uh, before, <laughs> but it's it's we're about due for another refresh. This is the UN digital ID, and the UN. Uh, is pushing digital ID biometrics um, in other places around the world because they can't get it done here. But this is what they actually want. This is the UN digital ID proposal, what what they desire to have for, for their UN workers. Digital transformation is changing the way we manage our data, our information, our interactions, and our identities online. The United Nations is ready to digitally transform how it deals with identity, with a system to streamline information sharing, daily workflows, access to platforms and buildings, operating across agencies by providing its personnel with a universal system-wide identity solution. Introducing the UN Digital ID, a unique and digital identity for UN personnel from the day you join to the day you part. All of your personal, HR, medical, travel, security, payroll and pension data in the palm of your hand, giving you full control on what you share and with whom. With blockchain and biometrics, the UN Digital ID makes verification efficient, secure, transparent, immutable, portable and universal. It's been piloted by different agencies and the UN Pension Fund, where they've replaced current manual processes with certainty for who and where pension recipients say they are at any given time. Imagine a regional field office has just joined the UN. She uses the mobile app to obtain a digital wallet, stored securely in her smartphone and only accessible to her with biometrics. Even better than a physical wallet, she can store all her credentials issued by any UN organization in her digital wallet. She has immediate access to course certificates, travel clearances from UNDSS, medical records from allergies to vaccinations, also making any transfer to another organization a breeze. As innovation transforms the world, we can improve the way we manage our identities online. UN Digital IDs, a building block for digital cooperation, unlocking the promise of the SDGs. Okay, so that's what they actually want, but you're not an employee for the UN. You're just not. I'm not an employee. But they want they want the public to embrace what they're pushing onto UN employees at this moment. Okay, they want... A public pension fund to become the same as a private pension fund and they want your digital wallet to be the same as a government digital wallet and that does sound like China doesn't it Gregor oh without question Papas oh, yeah. please <laughs> your Papas your Papas I've on your digits now you must you know lean into the camera let's see your eyes please no smiling <laughs> I want to cry. Uh, okay, so we're done with the blob. 
this week's blob. Uh, we're gonna have to file, uh, you know, follow up with that if if we can. You know, there is going to have to be more organizing on on digital ID. I don't really know where to begin at this point because if we could just get a privacy law passed, I think it would really really renovate what the government should be able to ask for for pay. So they're not honoring the law that we have right now, which is a problem. And uh, I'll, I'll get, again, I'll get more into that. Um, <clears throat> okay, we've got, we got, do you want to move to Mike Benz? Are you, are you ready to, sure, to move into? I'm ready. Okay, now, now we're going to get to the, to the meat and potatoes. Uh, the, the CIA is an agency that's, that's yeah, go, go ahead, go ahead. Institution. They have a license to do this abroad. Did you get a sense of how bad this was? Or Their plan is to basically roll out this censorship industry and install it in basically every country in the world to be able to control the political system in the course of elections in every country. And so this is what the American empire looks like now. We are disseminating the censorship industry across the world. We're helping other countries set this up. It is a whole of government funding effort and a whole of society coordination effort. Censorship is no longer an act. It has now become an industry. That's a pretty dark future. That was from Epic Times, and the whole 30-minute interview was actually quite fascinating, but that's the gist of it. Okay. So, um, so Mike Benz is a, is a very strong voice. He was actually sitting behind Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger during the weaponization hearings. And I wanted to mention that it's not over for those guys. Uh, they're getting, at least Matt got dragged. He got threatened with a five-year felony sentence this week for, uh, for going on MSNBC and discussing, uh, tenets of what he did and because he they made him look imprecise they they made a bad faith effort to put him in poor lighting and then based on what was reported um <clears throat> representative i think it was uh i can't recall what her name is right now uh, oh, she's the distinguished delegate from the Virgin, Virgin Islands. Islands. Yeah. So, um, you know, she did a really, you know, low blow move of uh, writing a criminal referral saying that, that Matt Taibbi lied to Congress and tried to get him a five-year indictment, a, a five-year felony sentence indictment. For well, what and, he said and, on MSNBC. Well, his crime was saying the CIS versus <clears throat> CISA, and that's what they're accusing him of. But I'm, from what I've heard, it wasn't actually necessarily the case. He said it wrong on MSNBC, but said it right in the hearing. Well, he cleared his own name by mm -hmm. eliciting a document. I wish he didn't have to do this, but this is this is the you know. Prove your innocence. We're accusing you. Environment that we're in, and he he basically took a screenshot of the document, and and put it out there. I retweeted it um, on sanctioned un, 
So if you go to my feed at sanctioned un, un, you know, it's supposed to be unsanctioned, but you know, this is what Twitter gave me. Um, and there it is. It's right there. Um, and you can also go to Matt Taibbi's at M Taibbi and see what he has he, he has said. There's a link to um, to his writing this week at his Substack that he's he's essentially said that the Democratic Party has gone crazy, and I believe that they they are completely decoupled from legal due process and the law. They've politicized the law so profanely that that they must be stopped. Um, I don't know how to stop them necessarily because this is this is just new pale. Like I don't I don't get it anymore. <laughs> I don't I don't even get it anymore. And, and then so so Mike Benz is indicating that it is the CIA that's that's hulking out these these uh, WEF initiatives, and you know the the whole process to to get everyone on a on a your papers please, get everyone on you know a a a. a total information awareness landscape to dominate every single election um, internationally including our own so now we go to the the news item about mr. Morell who worked for the CIA who intended so intended to flip our elections that he allowed the president to so the, the future president to so persuade him to to put out misinformation to the American public to flip this election so uh, there was a great and about the Hunter Biden laptop. We cannot let this go. We have to say it, and we have to discuss it as a people. Otherwise, we are just going to get we're going to get dragged by our own government indefinitely. We have to stand up to this lawlessness. So, Gregor, I mean, do you have the clip? I do. Okay, let's roll it. One former intelligence officials who signed off this well-known letter discrediting the Hunter Biden laptop story. The letter was published right after the New York Post first reported on the laptop. It said the laptop story has all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. Now on Thursday night, Congressman Jim Jordan wrote Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, who at the time was an advisor to Biden's presidential campaign. He wrote that, according to Morell, it was Blinken who first asked him to write the letter discrediting the laptop story. Jordan's message to Blinken on Thursday includes transcription of Morell's private testimony, stating, but prior to Secretary Blinken's call, you did not have any intent to write a statement? I did not. The testimony then goes on to show that one of the reasons for Morell to write the letter was to help Vice President Biden. You wanted to help the Vice President? Why? because they wanted him to win the election. During a 2020 debate, President Biden used the letter to discredit then-President Trump. There are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is, has all the care. Four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. It was later confirmed that the laptop was not part of a Russian disinformation campaign, but had been abandoned at a computer repair shop. Congressman Jordan was on Fox News on Thursday, indicating this letter started a misinformation campaign. That letter became the basis for keeping this information from the American people. Jordan is now demanding that Blinken answer a series of questions about Morell's testimony and provide records of related communication. He gave Blinken until May 4th to provide the requested documentation. I reached out to the White House and Secretary Blinken for comment, but didn't hear back before broadcast. Ariane Pastar, 
NTD News. Okay, so I have a, a hashtag that I formed at Twitter this week called the Blinken Logs. That's what I call. <laughs> That's what I call the follow up to this this story vein. Uh, the Blinken Logs. You know, there's the Twitter files and the Ruby files, and and uh, this is the Blinken Logs. <laughs> well, and so we have the campaign for the aspiring president getting together with a bunch of ex-intelligence and current intelligence people, mm. bringing forth false information. Yeah. Uh, sounds like Lies. a defamation lawsuit or something should be filed against them. So for $787 billion. That's a lot. That's just a lot. And, and I, I think it... I'm going to open the phones because, you know... Whatever side of the spectrum that you're on politically, I think there's a lot of people who hate the CIA, but they hate the CIA for different reasons. So I'm going to be hating the CIA this week because they are interfering with American stuff, and that's just they're this a foreign, week. Yeah, yeah, just this week. Okay, this is this is the poop they left in the hallway this week, and um, so but next week it'll be something different because I hate that agency. And I, I'm allowed to say that I hate an American agency. That, that's my right. They suck. Um, so, I mean, you, you, it's, it's really sad you hate an American agency that doesn't have the right to work on the soil of the United States. Yet they're being a utility for, for the political you know, vanguard of Washington. And plus, they used to think that they were the boss. Now they're just these little, these little you know... These little chain dragons that kind of do what they're told. Well, and you know, one of the interesting things is uh, you, you're at the beginning of the episode. You talked about Vance, you know, disappearing news. Um, morale specifically was disappearing news. Um, oh. I was able... <laughs> disappeared. He, 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 yeah, it was well, black bagged in the middle of the night. That news was just taken out, and nobody knows where it is. It's mother's yeah, I looking did, for I it. Did searches, I did searches <laughs> to confirm Matt Taibbi's. Interestingly enough, being AI gave me information, but uh, Google Bard did not. Google Search did not. Bing did not. Bing Search, not the AI. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just, you know, it's, and it's, they all have access to this. Well, Bard may not have access, I'll admit. But, you know, they all have access to information that was, that happened Thursday. And um, yet this in particular piece is just disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and, and they're, they're micromanaging all these little details. And, and they're saying, well, because I yell at you in the press, it's true. And, you know, this is madness. This is absolutely bat poop crazy. Well, it's not even bat poop. It's, it's guano. I'll just take a shortcut. It's guano crazy. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to open up the phone because, you know, this is this is the topic. This is what people want to talk about. So if anybody would like to call in and, and discuss how you feel, what your thoughts are about the CIA kind of uh, messing around in the elections, um, I particularly have a strong feeling about it. But regardless of what I feel, the law is the law. And we have we have a right to kick them out of any process that they're not supposed to be involved in um anybody like to call in we've got john sin hussein 
Dickie and um, uh, an outside caller from the internet. So we've got some comments down here. Let's start with those. Um, I'm an independent. This is K. Hussein. He says, I'm an independent. I only care about the laws and the functioning of the country. I don't care about the, any specific three-letter agency. Okay. Synergy says, legal aid only does so much, and there is. The difference between being in extreme poverty and just not having thousands to throw at a private attorney. Yeah, I see, I see the, the idea there. But there can be a class action suit as well. Then, and even though the attorneys get paid more, that's, that's a legal deterrence um, to a lot of these firms continuing to do this uh, to American citizens. When the government won't enforce the law, civil private right of action gives some kind of recompense. It gives, it gives the public something for their injury. Because when the government doesn't default upon the law, which will happen in Seattle and California, where they just they just choose not to enforce the law because they don't like it. Um, <clears throat> so there is a difference between what you can sue for and when, just as just information that is suppressed. Okay, public defenders are for what? Public defenders are for when you have been accused. I believe that. I believe in public defenders and. I think that there should be more nonprofit agency to to build um, public defending fund. Like they they have uh, private funding for for cops. The cops always have like their you know cops and firemen and and EMTs will have their <clears throat> have their fundraise or annual fundraise. They get people on the phones and they call you and they ask for money. Um, I never hear the public defenders really doing that. And I think that they should try. They well, and there are some there are some legal society, some you know even conservative legal aid societies that will take some of these cases for free. It's just a matter of hunting them down and giving them a you know promoting a cause. Um, you know to say this is what I think we should do, and then they'll look at it and see if there's legal standing and see or whether or not to produce it. Um, some of our biggest cases, one in the last year, have been from those organizations. So. <clears throat> There is other options. It's just a matter of exploring them. <clears throat> well, let me see if we got any callers. Does anybody want to call in and talk about uh, some of this CIA uh, transgression here? I, I thought it would be a great topic for people to kind of like clear their throat about. A lot of people. Does feel anybody want to talk about chocolate cake? <laughs> I mean, is everybody just too spooked to talk about the CIA right now? that could be it they think that the cia could come kill them or something and that's not right see this is one of the things i did want to talk about i want to clear my my throat about it is that these three letter agencies have have ran you know consecutive intimidation campaigns in in the americas and in america that that you know they can kill whomever they want they can act as gangsters you know however they want they can get to whomever they want because they're the CIA, and the government won't stop them. And like, I think the government should stop them, okay? And because the government doesn't stop them, they're going to lose control of the ship. You know, they already—they're on the hook for the JFK assassination, apparently. Well, and some of their ex-people are in charge of the Election Integrity Project out of Stanford. Um, That's not okay. That- the woman that's in, <laughs> the, the woman that's the woman that's currently the CEO or in charge of that organization mm-hmm. is a CIA operative. Um, it's not you know you don't find it on her social media, but apparently the president of Stanford, when he introduced her, thought said what a joy it is to have our <clears throat> you know the CIA 
in the CIA uh, analyst or something is how they introduced her. Yeah, and um, I don't know what the left's fascination or the you know the neoliberal left's like fascination with the CIA running things. You know, they they just want more coup. They want well, it's the secret more... police. We need to have the secret police so we can keep everybody in line. <sighs> it's such a bad idea, and you know what? They never think it's going to cr- turn on them. They're the intellectual class, and they should look at history, idiots, because when it doesn't go their way, who do they come for and throw in the black bags? It's the intellectual class. Okay, the people who write the books, the people who publish magazines, the people who who um, are saying things that are volatile. If you step out of line and you give them too much power, who do you think that they're going to come for? They're going to come for you, egghead. Well, uh, you know, uh, Hitler had his was the black shirts, and then the uh, Kristallnacht, where they had the night of a thousand knives, and everybody died. And he said, "Yeah, I killed them because they were too radical." I mean, you know, this is what happens. Yeah, I mean, and, and right now you're too radical if you oppose a certain thing. If you, there's just, oh, it's getting kind of cuckoo out there. You know, their their uh, their youth. I won't call them a death squad, but they're they're actually kind of like psycho- psychologically engineered. I think that this first like true to form psya bumper crop that's come from the internet. Um, this group that has basically a, they're a fully functional state sanctioned, you know, uh, weapons approved uh, group of people. Um, in the <clears throat> trans community to, to get out there and, you know, go out there with an AR-15 and, and make it right. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever heard that, ever. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's becoming... And, and you have a group of psychological people, regardless of their gender identity, you know, that are... are they think that violence is their only option because... They don't see any other options. And fascinatingly enough, 99.99% of them are leftists. They're not righties, which is what the FBI keeps looking for. Well, the left is in power right now, so they're not going to self, they're not going to self-incriminate. They're really obsessed right, right now with political incrimination. You know, they, they're not focused on crime, actual crime. They're just, the crime is not believing their religion. Civic well, religion. yeah. How can you go to heaven if you don't believe in our religion? And and they don't promise anything. Everything is on our dime. So how can it be heaven? Well, it's heaven because you don't have to do anything. We'll just give it to you. Well, uh, but they don't. They never just give it to you. You can stand in a in, in a you know welfare office line and and you know they they punch paper, but you may you still may not get the benefits. That's what a lot of people don't understand is that when the government is in control, they have a position and it may be no, it may be to deny you. That's because we're capitalists. Once we become a communist nation, it'll be better. Just ask the Ukrainians. Well, I mean, there are people who are suborned right now and it's worse because that's they legalize slavery. You don't get a choice in what you do when you get up in the morning. You know, like if you want to go to a job. Uh, you can you can pick your own vocation. In a communist country, they pick your vocation and you show up under gunpoint. 
That's how that works. Oh, that's not really how it works. He says, dripping with sarcasm. Yeah, but it, but it is. And, you know, I, I have clothing sitting in my living room right now to my shame that I didn't realize was done under duress. It has the smell of Chinese slavery dress on it. It's missized. It's mislabeled. And it's sitting in my living room. And I'm like, dear God, how did this get here? I tried a new company. <laughs> I tried ordering clothing from a new company that I've never tried before because I like commerce. I like to try new things. I like like new shopping. So uh, I decided I would I would not uh, go to the normal vendors and and I saw some clothing I liked. So I ordered it, and when it got here, I'm telling you, it was missized. It was slashed to hell, and it smelled like a death camp. It smelled. It literally smelled like somebody had assembled it under extreme duress, and it had been si- sitting in the in the bottom of a ship probably in LA Harbor trying to get here for a long time. So. Yeah, well. No, slavery so. doesn't exist, but if you're a doctor, you're going to end up having to be a slave because we need doctors to pay for all the, to provide the medical help and we need dock workers to unload But the it will be political need... doctoring, so if you don't have the right politics, go give an organ, you don't get a chance to get out of it. Go give an organ. You don't need your liver. liver. You're a reprobate. You voted wrong. You know, that's how this is going to function in the future. They are trying to cut people off at the knees right now. The person that is on this microphone currently, the one who is speaking to you, the woman with a ring around her face on this on this platform, has been underneath some sort of uh, PayPal embargo for, I'd say, about three and a half years at least. Um because I had some books that were on there, a an ideological rival, Kalia Hamlin, discovered on her own that she cannot buy my materials because PayPal won't take it. Now, the only good good gospel news that I got this week, also through Reclaim the Net and maybe Mike Benz, um, has been that PayPal it, is going to see the light. There is a there is a suit that has been hard fought by PayPal to come to heal and to conform to a terms of service where they have to allow people, you know, it's a it's a pay vendor service. Like, okay, I want to buy this and trade this and I pay you using PayPal. PayPal, if they decide that they don't, that they have monitors on your finance or the, on your social media, they're already doing this, the, the social credit game and gambling game right now they're trying to cut people at the knees who who say things that they don't like they're trying to do individual embargoes on people they don't like and um you know i I know that i don't have any any say in twitter governance right now but i I believe that they want to do the right thing and this eradication of the blue check system is okay as long as they don't do a hairpin turn into digital id where everything is is verified through digital id if they go headlong into digital ID, they're going to become an opponent, and I'm going to have to, to leave the platform, which would be a sad day, but you know what? They're just a voluntary platform anyway. Um, you know, you, you get into a platform, you get into a place of trust by earning it, and they've earned a lot of trust with me as a user, 
um, because there's not a, a requirement for me to 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 betray myself indefinitely. Now I could be wrong because Twitter collects a lot of data and they collect a lot of information and, and maybe their app is more invasive than I'm aware of. Um, I know a lot of people who you know are ambivalent about having the app. So like I go back and forth several times you know in the terms of a month. Like I'll have it on my phone for a couple days because I'm using it constantly and then I just uninstall it. So <laughs> I'll turn off the data and the microphone and the camera. Uh, because I'm I'm freaked out about the amount of data that it's collecting, so you have to manage your settings. Like if you really care about privacy, you have to you have to be like judicious about what you want want the the application to know. And if you don't want it to know anything, you just remove it. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, you know there's been we've had periods in in our past where we trust these these uh, platform based technologies to do these things with us, and they go out of bounds. And the government gives them the license to do so because they get the information. So we're we're really struggling as a nation to kind of get this right. And the solutions that we're we're fortunately we're coming forward on right now. There is legislation, and because there's legislation going forward, there's there's civic review, which means that you have a part to play. You review the law that's going forward. And if you want more enforceability, however you want it applied, uh, you need to write your congressman or your representative and the people who are in that committee weighing, say, like the ADPPA or this new um, out of California, you know, you know, Eshoo and Pelosi. It's an Eshoo and Pelosi coffee clutch, you know. Oh, let's let's doctor civil media because because it's not you know they'll all those people will sue us they'll sue us and they'll take our our investment money that we did through insider trading. Give me more wine. And ice cream. I'm gonna pour it over my wife's my my, my ice cream. It's gonna be eighteen dollars. I don't care. It's your money. <laughs> That's almost a decent Pelosi. <laughs> San Francisco for a little bit, you know. Um, it's it, Kennedy's Pelosi is hilarious because it sounds like she's she's totally slurred, like mm -hmm. it's, it's, like she's got a speech impediment because she's drunk all the time. <laughs> drunk on drugs, something. Yeah, she, well, she, you know, she you know during the the worst of the worst, I think she showed up to a SOTU, which is a State of the Union, State of the Union, completely schnoggered. She completely lit up on something. You're just kind of wobbling in her seat. <laughs> well, yeah, she may I, have I, even I, been injected with something. I don't know. You got you got to be you got to wonder about somebody who would stand up at the podium and tear up the president's speech on national TV. So, <sighs> destruction of federal government documentation. I don't know. I have no idea that that poor woman. Some people go into government because they think that they're going to be in control. And some people stay in government because they're being controlled, and I think she's both. Well, I think she's happy to be controlled as long as she keeps her, you know, twenty-five thousand dollar freezer full of eighteen dollar a pint ice cream. Um, and her husband keeps working, and I mean, you know, his train to nowhere in California was, you know, part of that was all deals that she helped broker. So. So. <laughs> We're both uh, both California expats. We have earned our right to complain. 
Yeah. But, you know, I, in, in 2018, California did do something interesting for privacy, and I found out last night that it's really f- affected police work. Um, oh? They, yes. Apparently, uh, a friend of mine, is, is an, he's a peace officer in California. That's all I will say, just because I don't want a, anybody to be able to track down his identity, because I know several peace officers in California. So, um, But this a particular person, you know, you know, we were talking recently, and... He mentioned that half of the tools he had to um, mine information from social media, which is all public information, they used to use. And mm-hmm. now because of this 2018 law, they can't. Um, which shocks me in California, to be honest. Um, now, he still has plenty of stuff he can do and plenty of things he can do, but he can't sit there and data mine public information anymore because of this, you know, right to privacy thing that California passed that I never heard of in 2018. Um, So I'm going to have to look into that a bit, but I mean, I just find it fascinating that even California had, and they're going to, yet they're going to turn around and do this digital ID, which will eliminate any sort of privacy whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, Uh, the the other backdoor, I'm sorry, I'm I'm sorry. The the other backdoor that they're going to try to leverage is what they did in Utah with age verification online. So if they if they use age verification online, that's the kind of like the gateway that they did in Switzerland, where um, you know if they can they verify who you are online with your age, but they hang on to the identity and the ID, uh, the identity credential for perpetuity and so the, the the internet company who's making a demand and this is to post things like video um, you know and that's that's to to view or post but to post video so um, I think that there is some some renovation that needs to, to kind of be tricked there because it's going to kind of require or put a mandate upon adults to prove their identity. Um, I think that there should be some scoping, regulatory scoping, where it's it's appropriate to be directed at people who have underage children uh, in schools. Like, like it should be based on people who have children of school age who are enrolled in education. So if they use online requirements or online uh, at school, then they can enroll that way. And so if they did it through the school, they could verify this is a student, this is an underage child, that sort of thing. So if they made the school the, the intermediary rather than the platform the intermediary, that would, be, that would be a regulatory adjustment that would be acceptable. But I don't think that that's what they want to do. They want to make the platform the intermediary so that they can get that centralized system. So, Berger? Yep, it's all about centralization. Um, every, <laughs> you see that? And there we are back at the definition of fascism, which is this lovely word, public-private partnership. Mm. Um, you know, it's just, it always comes back to that, I feel like. We should never do a Saturday evening show because if we do, we would have to do a drinking game where every time we heard the phrase public partner, private partnership, you know, you have to take a <laughs> shot. And since I don't drink much anyway. We would be screwed. Yeah. We'd be so um, drunk. 
We'd sound like Either Nancy Pelosi in 15 minutes. And the third is salvable. Because the, you know, the other guy, right? Right. right. Exactly. No, wrong. <laughs> All right. Um, it's been an hour and 19 minutes. You guys have hung in there. John has been there the whole time. Unwavering. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Um, and then Sin and one other uh, web guy, you know, tabbing in. So I appreciate all all who have attended and uh, listened to. Thank you, Sin. Th- thank you, thank you, random web guy and Sin. So she never um, calls. She never calls. So it's okay. It's okay. That's it. And then and then oh Brady. Oh God, he always cl- climbs on right at the end. Okay, Brady, I you want to come come up here and talk? Oh Maria. Hello, Maria. You know he's gonna want to promote something. Hey Brady, good to talk to you. It's been a while. Hey Brady, what are you doing? Good to talk to you. Hello, Sheila. I am just chilling at home, getting some work done. Okay. Any any type of comment on any of the content that you have so witnessed? I, I just got here, honestly. Um, I just heard you say, hey, Brady. Uh, like, what's up? Um, any comments about Well, I was going to try to get out of here. Biden's digital... Well, oh, okay. Right. Well, yes. just as a closing note, it was just it just came out. It just came out that Joe Biden actually sanctioned the report on Hunter Biden's laptop from the CIA, and yeah, covered, they we, testified. We oh, okay. You guys got it. You good? <laughs> yeah, nice no, I mean, like, so do you have anything to say about that? Because nobody said anything. They didn't say Jack Squat Diddley. Nobody, nobody was bold enough or stupid enough to say anything. <laughs> They're all scared, or maybe they're not scared. They're just not wanting to talk. That that is, that is also they're just they're either compromised or they're not surprised. <laughs> so Synergy Brady. just said something. I'm sure the CIA appreciates getting credit for throwing Trump out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, like yeah. the voters could have done it on their own. Really, you know. Well, really Brady, I, I do have a question, Brady, and you know you have the right to refuse to answer, and there were no hard feelings because I'm asking information. But from what I've heard, given the fact that we know now that the laptop for Hunter Biden was actually real, and it was actually there's actually all kinds of information on there that is criminal in nature, um, and now we even oh, yeah. know that the denial that the laptop was real was a criminal act on the part of the president of the United States, current president of the United States. Would you have, I don't know if you did or not, so it's not relevant, that part is not relevant, but would you have not voted for Biden if you were inclined that way, having known what you know now? Unfortunately, I, I really didn't want to vote for Biden at all to begin with, but because a gun was pointed at the wombs of every Amer- American woman, I voted for Biden as a last ditch effort to save uh, abortion rights for women. So yeah, I still would have done it again because of that reason, unfortunately. Okay, no, that's fine, and you have a right. He's to a your single opinion. issue voter, you know. That's, no, that that's seems fine. Like a single, yeah, single issue voter. And thank you for um, sharing. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Brady. Um, I, 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 never, I never would have. But it was the most logical. It, it felt like the most logical choice at the time. Like I wanted to vote third party, but. It was so close in Texas. It was such a close election. I figured, you know, might as well just. And there, was, there really wasn't a viable third option in that last election. So I was just doing the best I could. You know, lesser to oh, evil situation. 
I don't disagree with you. I really wish there were viable free third options. I mean, I, well, I um, one year I voted for Condoleezza Rice, who, if anybody knows who she is, knows she has never ran. Um, so, um, well, write-ins are a wonderful thing, but it was either that or Mickey Mouse, and I just couldn't bring myself to put Mickey on the ballot because it would destroy his career. I have done write-ins before. I've also like I'll, I'll I say that always, it's a total trap. And had I known how Joe Biden so like Joe Biden would act after he got elected, which I should have known, election. I should have known. I am I, in almost, retrospect. I wish if, I if would I don't have voted vote, that means that things are really um, screwed, but screwed based up. Based on just the information I had at the time, even if so. I even so I personally I, thought the laptop you, was real, I knew the laptop was real. There's two sides to that at the time, and I still the math geek in me. But in retrospect, had I known how Reckless he would be. I thought he could at least protect campaign. abortion rights. I, right. I did not think that would ever be an me issue. That I have to here vote for somebody who at least has an opportunity to win. And the intellectual, principled person says that's the you know that's a death knell. So it's it's you know it's a real hard challenge, and I don't criticize anybody for making whatever choice they have to make. Yeah, there's two libertarians up here, so we it's not necessarily. We're not going to be a, a pleasure cruise for either party who is jockeying for our vote. At, at, at worst, they, they'll just put an independent bag on my head and, and say, there's not a libertarian underneath there. That's an independent. We're going to try to get your vote. Well, I mean, I think what you're learning, Brady, is that there's other parts of the government that aren't run by the president. And that that's a vital lesson to learn because we this quote unquote whole of government or whole of society approach, you know, seeks to get everything all at once. It's totalitarian. And so what I'm actually learning about is what totalitarianism is in my own society. Not the way I wanted to learn, but it's not the way anybody ever wants to learn totalitarianism. You know, totalitarianism doesn't really necessarily give you a vote in things. They just like they just show up one day and start start taking things for granted. You know that, and you're like, this isn't the way. This is we didn't agree to this, and they're like, we don't care. <laughs> so everything's well, done by force. Yeah, well, talk about force. You know, Synergy brings up Cindy. Cindy brings up a point about Bernie Sanders that during the um, uh primaries he he was by far for the most entire time the leader um and somehow we ended up with the three you know the the bottom three in our government now because kamala didn't even make it past the second uh, primary she just dropped out because it was hopeless and you know biden didn't show up hardly anywhere until suddenly he was the he was the nominee and, you know, of course, you know, the Democratic Party, the way they have it, they have those super um, delegates that can change whatever they want, whenever they want. It's the way they're set up. It's in their bylaws. It's not illegal. It's just the way the system works there. Um, Republicans have something that, you know, seems to work the same way, too. 
I don't know exactly how they work because technically it's not supposed to be, they don't have super delegates, but you know, I'm not always happy with the results there either. At the end of the day, guys, uh, we can always just keep in mind that voting is just one little thing we can do, uh, maybe once or twice a year to make things better. There's a thousand things we can do every single day that can affect change outside of voting. So while voting is effective, it is worth your time. If it doesn't go your way, it's not the end of the world. Don't lose. There's a thousand things we could still be doing every single day. A thousand different ways to vote every day. I wish I could say something against that. Good job. Thank you. No, Brady. I mean, it's a super smart statement, Brady. It's like one of the smartest things I think you've ever said <laughs> that I've heard. I'll take it. I wouldn't vote it, but I'll take it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I think voting is important. There's a lot of people out there that say oh, voting is a waste of time. I don't think it's a total waste of time. Um, yes, we're losing. And yes, it's more of a symbolic act every year. But even the fact that it's symbolic uh, makes it meaningful, you know, so it's it's worth it for that. And uh, I I think in these oncoming elections, us civilians need a way to verify who we voted for ourselves. We need to independently verify that we voted. So I think it would be useful for everyone who voted to take a picture of themselves outside, inside the voting place with the voting sticker, whatever, as many pictures as they, as much evidence they can gather to prove they voted. And let's, let's, let's add, let's add these numbers up and see if there's anything going on. Well, and you, you know, you point out a good a point about personal responsibility and voting, one of the things in Oregon, we have the wonderful law for the last 30 years since the Democrats took over, um, that we only do mail-in ballots. We don't have polling places. Everything is mail-in. And if you're in Oregon, take a picture of both sides of your ballot so you have proof of how you voted. And then later, request that they, uh, you know, that picture has a serial number on it. You can find that ballot later and find the image that they counted and be your own verification for your own personal vote. Um, make sure that your vote stuck the way it was supposed to. Do I think there's a big conspiracy here in Oregon? No, but you can at least know that your vote was counted appropriately. Now they're talking about using some sort of technical thing. Now well, they'll actually send you what you voted because there's so much question about that here, though technically never proven. There has been questions about the integrity of our voting system. So now they want to say, here's, they want to say, if you give us this information on your cell phone, then we will send to you what your vote counted for. Um, strangely enough, another way to track you, but, uh, you know, take responsibility, check your vote, no matter where you are. And I seem to be all alone here. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I stepped oh, there you are. just momentarily. I know you had it. You're a good custodian of the room, Gregor. You know, I'm, I, I'm glad that you can cope dead air. But we still have a few people with us. Brady, are you done with your statements? Um, we can bring someone else up before we take off. We've got John, Maria, Terry. I can hop down. Here. I've got nothing else. <laughs> Thanks, Brady. Appreciate your time, brother. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your voice, uh, Brady. Um, mm, I don't know that I would self-report in terms of, of exit polling. I, I, I feel funny about that. Like, I think that the verifying your vote, verifying, no, I mean, I mean, just personally verifying your vote. 
Um, in, mean, in like Oregon, I can get a I can get a hold of the picture that they took of my ballot that they counted, so I mm-hmm. can verify against my records to make sure I voted correctly. That is true. I mean, they have vote verification um, modules here in Texas that I've never seen before. Um, I tried it. I, I gave it a shot, um, but there's there's a hundred ways to make your voter relevant if they want to do that. So I find my other ways to. I've never really invested whole hog in elections. That's probably why I'm still an activist. I find that there's the most important work that that is done is, you know, kind of presenting facts and presenting your case for better policy on a routine basis with people who are there working in government. And that's a lot harder work because if they're elected officials, they will change. Um, but you need to find you, you need to find your advocates and work with the people who will work with you on the issues. And that's sometimes those people are grown through persuasion and sometimes those people are found. Um, in either case, you know, I, I, I encourage you to kind of invest five more minutes on 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 the things that are important to you, if that's the case. But also kind of take a step aside. You know, not everything is politics. Uh, politics has this, this tendency to kind of cloud everything. So, um, you know, kind of limit your, your news use, you know, if it's getting too crazy. Like if you're beginning to, it, your perspective becomes really muddy and over politicized. I think that the Internet will still will feed you as much of this as possible to try to make you compulsive about it. Um and compulsively political. People are not necessarily compulsively political. They they do it once. They're like, my duty is I voted. And that's about as political as it gets for them. Uh, other people are like, I'm really concerned about these issues. I need to know as much as I can so I can stay on top of things. They're in, they're in an extremely vigilant position. I'm like that. So, um, so the people who do care, who are vigilant over certain issues like like mass surveillance, totalitarian government, that kind of thing, um, are going to be on watch. They're going to be on watch. And they're going to want to do something on behalf of others, themselves, free speech, whatever. And those are activists. And those people are making a difference in their own little way. And, you know, people will, will call them down and say, this is bad. You're not doing enough. You're not doing it my way. Who cares? As long as you're self-advocating for the things that are important to you, what other people do and say is not as, not going to be as important as what you you commit to uh, in your energy and during the week. But there's a line. If it gets too much, you just got to step back and kind of find your balance. So with that, Gregory, do you have any final statements? Well, stay weird. <laughs> Keep it weird. Do you, want to, do you want to run the keep it weird before we take off? Keep it weird. 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 Okay. Done and done. Thank you for joining us here at the Unsanctioned Citizen. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen podcast archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio podcasts, and call-in. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.